morning, everybody. Good morning. It is a joy to be with you this morning as we uh, begin Advent together. We're going to do something different. Are y'all okay with uh, something a little bit different? Are y'all feeling up to a little bit of participation? This thing swivels. Did you know it swiveled? I did not. That's going to be a major distraction for the Mitchell team. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Uh, So bear with us. Um, We're going to do a little bit of a scripture and song today. And it is going to uh, just really engage the whole thread, the whole story of scripture. And it's going to hopefully align our hearts with the opportunity to come and uh, be nourished by the means of grace that is the Lord's Supper. So, Callan, what are some things they might need to know as, uh, as we head into this unique scripture and song? Yeah. You want me to scoot to the left? To the left would be great. Their Pretty left well. or your left? <laughs> My left. Okay. Hey, so we are going to be singing a song called, Is He Worthy? I'm sure a lot of you guys might know this song. It's a song by Andrew Peterson. But it is a call and response song. And so we are going to kind of test out your ability to do this uh, with us. If you, do or, if you don't know the song, hey, you guys are singers. I've been hearing you all morning. It's my favorite part about being here. Um, and so it is uh, a call and response song, and it's responding with we do, or it is, or he is. And so it's going to kind of go something like this. Do you feel the world is broken? And you're going to go, we do. So let's try it together. Do you feel the world is broken? Just like that. One more line. Do you feel the shadows deepen? Same thing. We do. So that's kind of the theme that runs throughout the whole song. And uh, then there's a chorus. We're all singing together. When you catch on, I invite you to sing it with me. But that's pretty much the gist of it really well with our scripture passage today. It's, it's uh, hopefully something that will invite you into the word um, freshly. We're, we, are not, we are not satisfied. If you just come here and you, you know, hear a sermon and sing some songs and go about your normal day, we believe uh, the promises of scripture that the spirit of God, it uses the word of God to transform the people of God more into the image of God so that in all of life we can live more faithfully and fruitfully for the glory of God. And so we want this to be your song. Uh, And look, this is a unique Christmas season, but it is no different than any other. And the truth is we always need Christmas. We just have different distractions. And we believe that music can be powerful in bringing God's word home into our heart. You know, Callan, do you believe that music can be powerful? I do. I, yeah, I, you do. To my That's core, good. actually, I do. I, I do. do. Yeah. See how easy it is? You see that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, it was in December uh, 1914 where music was really seen to be powerful during the Christmas season. It was five months into the beginning of World War I. And maybe you've heard this story, uh, but it was... A music celebrated, carols sung on the front lines of the battle. It was Germans, it was British soldiers, it was even French soldiers. You believe the French were there too, Callan? Uh, they were. Has anyone told you? Has anyone told you ever look a little bit French? Uh, I no, no no can't say they have. Maybe I've heard it. Maybe it's the hair. Do you have, do you have a French accent ever? <laughs> I don't. No, you don't. That's horrible. Do you like I, baguettes? 
I do. Is this French, summer? French fries? I, write this I don't know out. what it is. Maybe it's your pants. But I, I've heard. I've heard. That's my laugh. There you go. But seriously, in 1914, after World War I, had been happening for five months when there had been fighting, intense division, death like no one anticipated, darkness and despair. On Christmas, there was what has been called a Christmas truce when soldiers from different sides began to sing Christmas carols and the music actually led them to drop their weapons. They celebrated Christmas together. Even some trenches put up Christmas trees with light. And the power of music led to a place where there was intense division. It brought unity. Where death seemed to be everywhere, it brought life. Where despair seemed to reign at the time, it brought hope. And as we look at this Christmas season, we hope that the power of the songs of Advent will actually have that same sort of fruit in our lives. Callan, what happens when music is drowned out of our lives and we lose the, the drumbeat of God's sovereign grace? I get very sad. If I lose the, the music. Hope. I lose hope. Flees us. Peace evades us. Death invades us. And so as we enter into this scripture and song, we're going to do so in a posture of prayer and I ask you to join me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reality of your sovereign rule and reign. We confess as we begin that oftentimes we allow uh, the noise of our problems and our pain to drown out the drumbeat of your sovereign grace. We ask that now your Holy Spirit would revive us. We pray that the, the rhythm of redemption, uh, Lord, would renew and restore our hearts and refocus us on the person of Jesus Christ and his work as we prepare our hearts for this Advent season. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Good morning, church. My name is Martin Bukari, covenant partner, First Press. I'm happy to be here this morning, and I know you are also happy. This week, we begin Advent preparing our hearts for the coming of our King Jesus. Today, we will see how Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 15 is launching path for hope, the first beat of the rhythm of redemption running through the whole scripture. Let the Spirit allow the song of Spiritual scripture to revive your heart and hope in God alone. Please let us hear the word of God. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 8, the verse 8 to 15. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hide themselves from the presence of Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound in the garden, and I was afraid 
because I was naked and I hide myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, curse are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat, and all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and your offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Here end the word of God. Thanks be to God. Now lead me on the response. All fresh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures. Section one, it's creation and fall, order and disorder. It's a seed of, of hope. God's ordering of creation was very good. There was light, there was life, there was fullness, and there was fruitfulness. The garden of God, it's the longing for our souls, all of those who are created in the image of God to be restored to paradise. That is the design of God. And today's passage reveals how the fabric of God's design became fragmented, how God's very good creation became historically disordered by the fall. Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent. You can see that in chapter 3, verse 1. In verse 5, the temptation is clarified, that they could be like God, knowing good from evil. Now, before you throw stones at Adam and Eve, join me in looking at your own heart and your own practices. Are you tempted to be like God as well, to want to know everything? to be everywhere and to have the power to do anything. The Apostle James in chapter 1 verse 5 of his epistle teaches us about temptation. That when our desires, the, the lusts of our hearts are acted upon, it gives birth to sin and that sin then leads to death, rejecting God's design for our desires. It is from this that the fabric of God's creation was ripped. The temptation of Adam and Eve, seeing the tree, desiring it in their heart and reaching out to take it, replacing God's directives with their own desire and in their sin, birthing death in all of creation. Rejecting God as king and living under their own authority and learning the difference between good and evil, tasting death the first time. 
Today's passage clearly articulates the consequences of sin and also the longings of our heart, the longings for the garden of God, where there was union between God and his creatures and his creation. The relationship is now divided. Adam and Eve hide in their shame. Sin separates us from our God and we long for reunion. Where there was order in God's creation, It was very good with the rebellion of our first parents, disorder invaded God's design. And we know this disorder, don't we? Disordered relationships with power, disordered relationships with food, disordered relationships with sex, disordered relationships with money, disordered relationships with exercise in our own image, disordered relationships with work in our own sense of security, significance, and status. In this world of disorder, we long for reorder, the garden of God, And in fact, the nakedness of our souls and the vulnerability of our hearts oftentimes lead to despair, fear of being hurt, anxious of being overlooked and forgotten. In this world of darkness, the light of God's revelation can be lost. And we long for that light. In this world of darkness, there can be death. And lots of death. Can you remember a time of your history where you check a death count almost daily? That's the reality that we're in. How many people have died today from the virus? We long for the garden of God, this light in the life that comes. Our souls groan with all of creation, longing for redemption. And here's the truth, church. We must lament, but we must learn to listen. For it is the rhythm of redemption that can't be drowned out by darkness, despair, division, death, or discouragement. In the darkest hours of history, the gospel promises of God shine the brightest. Do you hear the rhythm of redemption? Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. There's all creation groaning. It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be in the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. You heard the word of hope as I opened the map app. 
You all have it on your phone and you do it all the time. Tell me, what do you see? Lots of details. But the main thing is a small blue line. And this line leads us from our pleasant, present place to our destination, that which we long to go. It reminds us that where we are is not the end of the story, but that there is, in fact, more. And it turns out that direction to your destination can transform your perspective on your present circumstances. God makes his first promise of redemption, a promise to make all things right. God does not crush the world and begin again, but he curses the serpent and promises to crush him so that all who would believe in the offspring of Eve would have new life. In all of scripture, this promise of a seed that comes from Genesis 3.15 is like a blue line. Yes, there are other details you see, but the clear connection to your destination of the promise of that seed is the person of Jesus Christ. And we hear the song of his salvation all the way through. I want you to listen to the rhythm of redemption, the song of salvation, the drumbeat of God's divine and sovereign grace. Genesis 3.15, God says, I will put enmity between your offspring and hers. Speaking of the woman and the reader asks, who is this seed? Who is this offspring? And as the story continues, it goes to their son, Seth, and from Seth to Noah, and from Noah to Sham. And Sham, in chapter 10 and 11, introduces us to Abraham. And in Abraham, we see the power of God's promise through this seed like we cannot anticipate. This man who Paul described as as good as dead, because he was so old, was married to a woman whose womb was in fact dead. The first introduction we have to Sarah is a barren womb. And by the time we get to the end of their story, we meet the next seed, the offspring, the child of the promise. It is Isaac their son. You see, the power of God's gospel promise is to take your places of death and bring life. Do you hear the rhythm? And from Isaac, it goes to Jacob. And from Jacob, it goes to Isaac, Jacob. And who's the next one? Jacob's Judah. (laughs) Mitchell, you have notes. Why don't you look at them? Sorry. Jacob's son, Judah. By the end of Genesis chapter 49, verse 9 and 10, we hear a clarification of the expected seed that a scepter would not depart from Judah, that a king would come, and that Judah would give birth from his loins would come a lion, a king, a lion. The song of salvation, it doesn't just go follow the rhythm of the book of Genesis. It goes all the way through scripture, but it's in Revelation chapter five, 
when John has a vision of heaven, the blue line that goes all the way through scripture shows the destination of our salvation that gives us hope and formation in our present situation is Jesus himself. John sees a a throne and on that throne is a lamb and they're asking for someone who may be worthy to open the seal before the lamb. It's a fascinating picture of looking for anyone who is worthy. And it says the elders begin to sing a new song. And then it says in verses nine and 11, that everything, myriads and myriads, began to sing the song of redemption. And then by the time you get to the end of chapter five, it says everything in creation on heaven and under earth are singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain, the lion of the tribe of Judah. An unbelievable picture of power and promise for the people of God who choose to believe. This is a song of salvation we're invited into. This is the picture we want you to hear and to see. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave Is He worthy? Is He worthy? Of our blessing and honor and glory Is He worthy of this? sing that again. Can we join the chorus of myriads and myriads of all that's in creation above earth and below the earth singing of the worthiness of the lion of the tribe of Judah, the seed of our salvation, the destination that gives us hope in our present situation. Can we sing it again together? All together. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of our blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of this? There is hope for all of us in the victory of the Lamb who was slain, the rule of the King, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. It is in his victory that all that has been disordered can be reordered. In his death, we can find life. And this promise is for everyone who believes. The rhythm of redemption that flows all the way through scripture, that blue line that leads us to our destination is amplified by God's grace. This is an invitation for every people in 
every place. Judah himself fell into temptation. He saw, he desired, and he took. Even his daughter-in-law, Tamar, in Genesis 38. But in God's grace, his sovereignty that pushes the story forward, he used their child, Perez, to be the bearer of the line who would be the lion of the tribe of Judah. God's sovereign grace pushes the story forward through sin and through struggle. It was David who saw Bathsheba and he desired her in her heart and he took her. But in that sin that gave birth to death, even of Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, God brought forth life. Solomon came and through Solomon, the line came. So wherever you are today, maybe like Ruth in all of her sin and her struggle, everything that she had to juggle, God always showed his love, his sovereign grace for everyone who believes, every person in every place throughout all of history in every tribe and every tongue, the seed of hope. It is God's priority for all of scripture. The rhythm of his revelation runs through the entirety of the Bible. This is why the New Testament begins with genealogy. Did you know that? Because God wants you to understand his methodology. This is new creation, resurrection that came from the seed of hope to every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Reorder, it comes through the cross. We're united with our creator, his life, his light, fullness of life and fruitfulness in him. All of the longings of our desire for the garden of God are met in the blessing of this seed who is our savior, Jesus Christ. He took the curse for us so in him we can have the blessing of restoration. God has done it all and the spirit does the rest. You can be secure in the love of the father and listen to the rhythm of redemption that runs through scripture. Does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those He loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave From every people and tribe Every nation and tongue He has made us a kingdom and priests to God to reign with the Son Is He worthy? Is He worthy? Of our blessing and honor and glory. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy?
hear the rhythm of redemption, you must apply God's victory to your souls with intentionality. Let me ask you, what do you do when your lips are chapped? You put on lip balm. What do you do when you have dry skin? You put on lotion. What do you do when you've got stanky teeth? You brush your teeth and you swig some Listerine. You should be doing it regularly, right, Don? But you take care of the need that presents itself. What do you do when your gas tank is empty? You fill it. What do you do with an achy soul that is longing for redemption, discouraged by the darkness, drowning in despair, overcome with darkness? You top it off. You fill your tank, you feed your soul with grace upon grace upon grace. In this Advent season, we want you to apply the promises of God through listening to the rhythm of redemption that runs through scripture and choosing to believe. The incarnation will lead to personal personal transformation when we intentionally believe. You've gotta get in the word to know the sound that you've heard. Get in the word, good news it comes from on high. In God's revelation, you will read that salvation in Christ, our redemption is drawing nigh. In our death, we find life in him. In our strife, we find peace in him. In our darkness, we see that he is the light. And in our weakness, we are overcome with his grace and able to stand with his might, his power, his spirit, his grace that is sufficient and made perfect in our weakness. We do not go through this season only wanting to cope, but to truly thrive. And the gospel invites us to move from fragmenting and disorder of God's design to flourish in God's love. Personal renewal, corporate worship. We wanna invite you to join the chorus of all of God's people of all time and all places to listen to the rhythm of redemption the seed of our savior that was slain for our salvation and to stand with us and sing, he is worthy. Will you stand with us right now and sing the end of our song together? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone and open the scroll
his grace, he has made us worthy. Please be seated. What an amazing song of salvation. Showing us our destination. Giving us power and a new perspective in all of our circumstances. You know, if you're like me, you can identify with the temptation to see, desire, to desire, and to take. But what Adam and Eve did, our first parents, Jesus didn't do. When he was tempted, he saw and he didn't take it. He was tempted just like you and I in every way, but he was without sin. And because of that, his desire didn't give birth to death, but his life was given to death so that in him we can have life. And that's why when we come to this table, we get to see what Christ has done for us. We see his unconditional love. We see his perfect worth work in our place. We see his grace and we can desire to begin again to be formed by the power of, of his salvation, his work. We, we come to this table to participate in the rhythm of creation. And instead of taking and eating the fruit from the tree of the garden, we take and eat of the one who hung on a tree for us. What a powerful picture of God's grace. We know that Jesus is locally present at the right hand of the Father, but he's spiritually present in this meal. And we can be secure and sure of his love because the night that he was betrayed, he took bread after dinner and after giving thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of my new covenant. Drink of this in remembrance of me. And as if Jesus wanted to invite all of those who believe into the song of salvation, the rhythm of redemption that runs through scripture, he says, do this in remembrance of me until I come again. And friends, he will come again. Until that day, he wants to nourish us with his grace. Would you join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this sacrament, this sign and seal of your promises. We thank you that in our death, we can come and taste your life, that in our disorder, we can come and taste your right ordering through the cross, this new creation. We thank you, Lord, that in our despair, we can come and feast on hope of the security of your promises. We thank you that in our mortality, we can taste your immortality. In our unrighteousness, Lord, we can taste your righteousness. And we ask now that you would set apart these ordinary elements and use them in an extraordinary way of uniting our hearts with your blue line of salvation, the song that runs from the beginning to end of Scripture. Feed us and nourish us, we pray in Jesus' name. We pray together. Uh, as the Lord taught us to pray, saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.